Hi, my name is Bill Cumby. I'm a teacher at First Church Ministries, and we're going through the book of Genesis. Uh, this is the fourth lesson. Uh, we're still in chapter one. We might be there next week, too. Um, we're going to talk about the Sabbath today, and uh, I, I'd like to open us in prayer. Lord, I thank you for the time we have together. Thank you for um, this is the freedom we have to um, gather. Uh, even in a time when we're sort of dispersed, we have a time to freely speak to one another and to teach and to uh, understand and to reflect back on things. And I thank you for that. I thank you for the freedom we have in this country. Pray you watch over us. Help us to love and honor you and to draw closer to you. We ask in your name, Jesus. Amen. So, uh, again, this is the fourth study in uh, Genesis, and I, I was thinking, and we're still in Genesis 1, and I was thinking we'd get through about half a chapter each time, but there's a lot in Genesis. And so uh, this is the key verse in Genesis. This is not the key verse of chapter 1. This is the key verse of Genesis. In fact, in, in many ways, it's one of the key verses of the Bible itself. And so we see here, um, God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on earth. And so again, we're going to read this probably once or twice more in this lesson, but it's a key uh, understanding. I want to, uh, so I, I opened several times with the slide of Intro to Genesis. This has changed a little, um, uh, and been a little bit compacted, but Genesis was um, uh, historically, traditionally, uh, both in Jewish and church tradition, the, these were, Genesis was given by Moses at Mount Sinai as the uh, Israelites left Egypt. Some of modern um, uh, biblical theology, more liberal type, would say that that's not true. It was actually given five or 600 B.C. when they were in captivity in Babylon. Uh, some of it, like Deuteronomy, maybe go back seven or 800 B.C., but, but anyway, we, I, the reason I'm giving you this is because I hold to the traditional view and, and, and what was in there. Now, were some of the books uh, perhaps redacted during that time? And, and, and uh, maybe, I, and I want to go in there, this is, not a, uh, this is not a theological study, this is a biblical study of what's in here, but understanding who he was writing to is important. And so... We need to understand these were slaves that had been freed from Egypt. Um, it's a book of beginnings uh, it, of, the, of the stories of creation. It stands out among all the other stories. You will hear that it's very similar to other creation stories. That does not hold up under scrutiny at all. It's a, it's a totally different genre. The other creation stories have a lot of reflections on the other things, but there are unique fashions in, in Genesis that uh, they're much different. For example, there are two full views of creation in this thing, and they're, they're complementary to one another, and they help us understand things. It's a very straightforward account. It's logical, meaningful, and coherent. Um, it discusses all aspects of creation, the cosmos, the earth, animals, and mankind. It basically is not a story of just how the earth was created or this or that. Um, it's specifically crafted um, and explained to make sure that we understand that God created everything. Okay. Again, other creation accounts, they may say God created everything, but it doesn't really 
it doesn't detail that out. Most of the things don't even attempt to say he created everything. There's some existent thing already. Um, it actually preserves uh, historical events in a very straightforward manner. It's uh, much closer to what we would consider a modern scientific description of, of, of a creation event than any other account. Uh, it doesn't involve a lot of gods or, you know, or animals laying eggs that become the earth, which is part of the Indian tradition and some of the things. And, and so there's different accounts there, and many times there's a god, but there's always other gods. There's never just, there might be one God created everything, but then he creates other gods. There's, there's no one God except this account. Um, and I added this section now because we're going to talk about this in a little more detail. Uh, it's the only one that discusses time and its significance. It, you know, it, 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 seven days, uh, six of creation, one of rest and reflection. We're going to come back and revisit that phrase. No creation account talks about this. It doesn't talk about a creation than the God resting and reflecting on his creation. So there's a lot of differences in Genesis. I want you to reflect for a moment, though. Why is the seventh day even mentioned? Okay, so he goes through, he creates, he creates things, and we're going to go through, we're going to review that real quick. Uh, but then it talks about a seventh day when God rested from his work and saw what he made was very good. Uh, is, it, is it just arbitrary? You know, the seventh day, so he could say that God was there and liked what he made? Is it poetic? Is it symbolic? Is, is there a covenant? Some people feel that um, the Sabbath is a covenant and a sign. So whenever God, uh, whenever people would make a covenant with one another, and a covenant was sort of like a very um, strong, unbreakable agreement of what you would do and how you would act and stuff like that, a sign was given. Circumcision is a sign of the old covenant. Baptism is a sign of the new covenant. Um, so is the Sabbath a, a, a sign of creation, a, a covenantal sign? There's that, that question. We're not going to answer that, by the way. Um, does it show that God is limited? Uh, uh, does he have to rest? Is that what the purpose is in there? Um, uh, is, is it part of the space-time matrix? This is, we're going to talk about this in a little more detail, but does it, is, it, is the, a seven-day seven period with a day of rest and reflection part of the space-time continuum. In other words, is, 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 and if it is, how is it that way? Um, what about the animals? You know? um, what about nations, people, groups, etc.? cetera? Uh, will, it pass, uh, will it pass with the space-time matrix? Or is some sense the Sabbath an eternal thing? Um, you know, uh, if you look at the uh, seven days, you'll find that seven days, the, back, the farthest they can trace it back, is the time when the Jewish people had the seven days in, in, the, in the Torah, in the Pentateuch. They, they, but you'll see that people will say, we can trace it back to the Babylonian time. And then they'll say in parentheses sometimes, when the Jews were in captivity. You know, but, but it, so, so it's this interesting thing. The seven days is, is, is a revelation of the Jewish people. Okay, it's not a creation of them, but it's a revelation that God gave them. It's been handed down. It's now universally accepted. But there were seven days were not a normal thing. There's no record of that historically before that time period, five or six hundred BC, uh, except again in the Jewish scriptures where it talks about, and we're going to talk about the year having years of rest and the Sabbath year, and, and in addition to just the seven days. So we get six days of creation. We get God pictured. God creates everything. He creates. The, the whole universe in, in light and dark. He creates the sky and the sea. He creates land. Then he fills it with sun, moon, and stars on the third day. 
with sea and air animals, and, the, the, and, then, and then with, uh, with land animals and man on the sea. Now, he could have created, um, instead of six days, he could have done it in eight days. I mean, you could have split up the sky and the sea and sea animals, okay? He could have uh, split up land animals from man, because man is certainly a certain... So there's something in here that's going on that he wants us to understand. Again, we're not going to be able to delve into all of that, but, but think about it. Think about... Sometimes we're so immersed in things that we don't even realize, you know, seven day, what's going on? Now, again, some people will say that it's a quarter of a lunar cycle, and so it was a convenient thing. But again, none of that came about in discussion until more recent times. Um, so it's, it's six days of creation and one day of rest and reflection. I love this one because it has the, the Jewish um, uh, candelabra, uh, menorah. And it actually has the days Aleph, Bake, and in here, and then um, it has pomegranates, which I happen to like a lot, uh, <laughs> and a very biblical fruit. Um, but um, uh, it's a day you, you see that you can get some glimpses of it, and some, sometimes in movies and stuff like that. I, I think of Fiddler on the Roof when they're doing the Sabbath coming in and stuff like that. But it's a day where things cease. And so... Um, Again, we're going to talk about that in a bit of more detail. I would suppose, though, that this is a wrong characterization, okay? Six days of creation is, is, is a totally wrong characterization. Six days of creation and one day of rest is also a totally wrong thing, but it's better. Um, there really is instantaneous creation in seven days of preparation, okay? God created, it says in the beginning, God created the heavens, everything was there. Okay, the six days and the seventh day, uh, because you, you, it's hard to get out of habits, okay? But, but the seven days are days of preparation. So if you look at them that way, you start, what was he preparing things for? Again, the earth was created before this time period. It was furnished during it. The, the, the universe was furnished during this thing, but, but it was all there, okay? Uh, except for special creations of the animals and then a very special creation of mankind. So, so I would invite you to think, I mean, and, and the beauty on uh, listening to me is you can just walk away if you want to, but you can also put it on pause and just think and try to figure out and say, and meditate on some of this stuff. And, uh, you know, but what was the purpose of creation? Why did God create? And, and why is this account here? And where does mankind fit into all this? And where do I fit in? So, so uh, you know, I, I would propose several things. Number one, Man is intensely curious, and God doesn't always satisfy our curiosity. Job never knew what happened to him. He never knew what hit him. He just knew that, 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 that uh, God, he was tested and restored. He, he never understood the, the backstory in Job. At least Job didn't. Um, uh, but God sometimes satisfies our curiosity, and one of the things he did is satisfy the curiosity of Israelites of why, what, how everything came to be and what is there. I think he did that because he loves us and he loves to give us, uh, help us understand things. But I also think he wanted to get the setting here, okay? And the setting is this, that mankind um, uh, is the ground of creation, okay? If you look at the account of Genesis, it is clear that mankind, you know, he creates this as good, he creates this as good, as cre he creates the animals as good, he creates man, and everything he saw was very good, okay? Man is the creation here. 
Um, so these are the verses. So, 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 so I indent things and stuff like that. They're actually the words, the words of scripture. I, I, I reset them to show you what I think is important. So you take what out of it, which you, you, you know, in there. So just because I've lowercase or made them smaller does not mean necessarily that they have a subordinate clause in there. But, but I do feel there's this, that God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Uh, so God created him in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So it's interesting that when they translated the Old Testament into Greek, the Pentateuch, uh, which was around before the time of Christ and finished, that they, they, uh, they said they translated um, uh, likeness, uh, or excuse me, image, into the same word that they use when in, in uh, Colossians when they say that Christ is the image of God, the very uh, image of God. Um, and so there's, it, it was very interesting because Pastor Bob was talking last week about Philippians and Christ coming down to earth and taking on the form of a human. And it really made me think, um, there's a lot of com uh, confluent events coming in, in this talk. And one of them is, what did it mean? So we are created, the image we have, the physicality we have, the, the, is the best reflection of God that, that happens in the physical, okay? It, we, we're nothing like God, okay? But if, we, if you had to encase God in the flesh, this is it. And, 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 and uh, many people have looked at Michelangelo and many artists and philosophers have wondered at the beauty of man. And, and uh, we are like, there, and there is a lot of beauty in animals. You think of the, you know, of the uh, feline, the lines and the, the sleek thing, or the dolphins and, and, and many, um, the many wonders of creation, the beauty out there. And yet somehow we are in the image of God. But physical stuff is, I think, very secondary. But it's interesting and worth noting. Um, having dominion is very important. That's repeated before and after this. So having a dominion, the ability to create as God created and furnished in the six days. So one of the things being done in the beginning of Genesis is God modeling man. This is how a man should be. He should be doing his work six days a week. He should be reflecting upon uh, eternity and God. And so at least one day a week, he should be pulling that out and doing that. So we, we get that. And I would say this, that mankind is the metaphysical, ontological center of creation. I was talking with Jose just before I came and said I pulled these definitions from um, uh, Wikipedia, the fount of all truth and knowledge. So uh, metaphysics is a branch of philosophy that examines the fundamental nature of reality. And ontology is the philosophical study of being. More broadly, it studies concepts that directly relate to being, in particular uh, becoming, existence, reality, as well as the basic categories of being and their relations. So um, I will say this. Uh, the Sabbath is what helps us understand the metaphysical and ontological center of creation. Okay? We're going to talk a little bit more in detail on that, but I want to step back and say, so, you know, the, the ancients were wrong in the earth being the center of the universe. And, uh, by the way, that was a Greek concept that, that uh, Christian philosophy picked up and unfortunately picked up the wrong thing. Uh, the scripture doesn't teach that the earth is the center. It never did. But we are, it does teach very clearly that we are the center of the, uh, of ontologically and, um, Metaphysically, and I'm going to show you. I have some verses to show that. I'm going to back that up. Uh, you, you, hopefully, it will convince you. But 
but I think there's back backing for that. That's just not my statement on there. But this is the point I want to, you to understand before you go on. You can't understand this without the Sabbath. The reason we have a Sabbath is for us to understand that, that we are more than just part of creation. We are more than just animals. We are more than that. We are created in the image of God, and God models the Sabbath because we need to model the Sabbath. Um, and I, I'm going to take a real quick break here and just relate some personal stuff. So it's been an incredibly bad two weeks for me. Um, and it's been a very hard two years. And uh, in the last two years, I would have to say that I've worked seven days a week. I go to church, and I have to happen to be half a day Sunday, but I work the rest of the day Sunday. Yeah, I, I would say well, I'm a lap Sabbatarian because when, we, when, I was, when I became a believer and when we were, our family was young and stuff like that, we tried to set aside the Sabbath. We'd even come back on vacations on Saturday, so we'd have the Sabbath. And, uh, and that was really good and helpful. And I've started a company now. In the past two years, I've basically worked seven days a week, um, 60 hours a week all the time, without much of a vacation even or anything else. And so, or holiday. And I have to say, I've become like an animal. I've, I've seen my transition to work being everything. And, and so you say, well, that's awful. You should, work shouldn't be everything. I'm telling you this. It's good that I saw that work was everything because if it, work was not everything but it was work and then I had sports and then I had game, I might never understood that everything was filled up with other stuff, okay? But work becoming everything really made me realize that I had nothing, you know? And so the Sabbath is a chance to help us understand it's not all about what's going on physically in our lives. It's not all about the time we spend um, doing things, whether, whether it's work or it's recreation or anything else, it's not about doing things. And so uh, and if it was about doing things, why did God not do, any, do anything on the Sabbath? You know, what, what's going on here? So, so I want to, uh, again, go back to the ontological and metaphysical thing. So what is reality here? And we studied Ephesians. I don't have time to go over this in, in much detail, but except to say that... Um, uh, I'm sorry, Hosea slipped away. Uh, made known the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when times reach your fulfillment, to bring to unity to all things in heaven and earth, to, to bring to unity all things in heaven and earth under Christ. So Christ is overall. And here we have here that he prays that our eyes of our heart might be enlightened, that we may know the calling and the glorious inheritance and his mighty strength. And, and that, that God seated Christ far above all heavenly realms, far above rule and authority, power and dominion, every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in age to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head of everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. And then down here, and I don't have a long time to go in here, but uh, yo, again, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And in talking about the fact that we are, for we are members of his body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. So you, you can go in, we talked about Ephesians, not in much detail as I wish I had sometimes, but, but I think something to get you thinking. Bible Project has good stuff on stuff too, but, but, I, but I would recommend you think about this. If indeed we are the body of Christ, we are his metaphysical and ontological reality existence 
here on earth. We were created in the image of God. There's something different about us. Um, uh, we understand that if we look at 1 Peter, because he says, concerning the salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come searched in, intently with greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances of which the Spirit of Christ was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories uh, that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even the angels long to look into these things. There is a crowd watching, trying to figure out that, that, that we are the center. You know, the angels want to figure out that, that we are the center of, of this creation event. Hebrews talks about the same thing. I don't have time, he says, to go through chapter 11, all the people of faith, okay? And what they did, they went about in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. I love the world. Think about that. The world was not worthy of them. That God has created something in us that's beyond what the world, you know, itself. Even if you think that world is the world of people that he's referring to, it, it, which I think it is, it's some, something very special here that, that, that he's created something that he's rekindled in believers, okay? So all who bow the knee to Christ and acknowledge him as Lord and Savior, there's a rekindling of this original creation that was in there. And it says this, they were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, and God had planned something better for us so that only together with us they would be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin so that they're so easily entangles. And that's the beginning of chapter 12. But I have it in here because it says we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. So creation, part of creation in the image of, uh, in the image of God is that we create it for community and we will be perfected with our brothers and sisters in eternity. And there's encouragement here too. But I, I really, again, that's what the Sabbath does. It helps us remember that because it's so easy to get caught up in things. It's like a kid in a candy store, you know? The creation is, is the candy store. Um, my wife, when she went on vacation, uh, she, had a visit, she had a visit her mother. I remember one weekend she went off and I let the kids just eat candy. That's all I gave them was letting me eat candy, you know? And she didn't appreciate that, by the way. Um, but it was very interesting because um, a couple days into that, because it was a long weekend, a couple days into that, they were starting to ask for food. I said, Dad's playing candy. And they said, can you cook us something? Yeah. We can get eating candy all the time. We can spend the time on the physical creation and never really get to the real food, the real meaning of life. And so um, the Sabbath draws us back to that. And... and uh, and so we see here, thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done. Now, we're probably going to extend this into next week um, to talk a little bit more about the Sabbath. But I will note this. Um, the first six days of creation, it says, and there was evening and there was morning the first day. There was evening and morning the second day. Um, but the seventh day, there was no evening and morning. 
in the seventh day, God did this. And, and so there is a discussion in Hebrews uh, that I'll bring forward in, in the next slide, just real briefly, and probably go into more next week, that, that, that the rest we have is in Christ. It is God rested that we rest. And, and, and that has been traditional Christian thinking, that Christ is our Sabbath and stuff like that. But I still think it's not an either-or situation, okay? It's not that now that Christ, we rest in Christ and the Sabbath is no longer part. Because I think the Sabbath is part of creation. It's, it's part of, it was before the fall. It's not, it's not the remedy. It's not a remedy for, uh, you know, we, there's a remedy for the fall, Christ. You know, Christ has paid the price and, and the sacrifice and we're united with him now. But the Sabbath was there before the fall. It had nothing to do with the fall, okay? So, so we ignore it at our own risk now. And so uh, I, I, I want to talk real briefly about that. We'll go into that. I'll have a couple more slides. This and one other one. And, um, and it's in the Ten Commandments. And the next slide is the Ten Commandments. So I'm going to come back to that, okay? Um, it's also reflected in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. There's a lot of discussion about the Sabbath year, okay? So there's not a lot, but there's significant discussion of six years, you do labor. Seventh year is actually a Sabbath. You, and that's where we get, by the way, the word sabbatical. And that's why people take, it used to be that professors and pastors and stuff could have a sabbatical. Poor pastors don't get that anymore. Teachers get much truncated ones. But, but they would actually have a time to rest and reflect and do something different. Um, it's very interesting. I was just thinking, you get reflections of that in the world that doesn't acknowledge, per se, Christianity uh, specifically. I'm not saying they're anti-Christian, but they certainly don't acknowledge it. Google gives one day a week for the people to work on other things because they're, they want to help them create new things and stuff. And so that's a day that they can take and do what they want to with it. That's what's going on, some of what's going on in the Sabbath year thing, the idea is. But you let the land rest, the year of Jubilee. So if you do seven Sabbaths, 49 years, the 50th year is the year of Jubilee. All the slaves are set free. By the way, slaves were set free and every seven years, too. And, and, but the 50th year, not only were the slaves set free, um, and again, the Bible does not condone slavery, but it regulated it. It made it so that you could not... Uh, it, it, it regulated the worst abuses of the system so that people would have protections on that. But people could sell them, and this was people selling themselves into servitude, okay? And so you couldn't, uh, in fact, we get indentured servants from that. And the first, um, first people came to um, Virginia, came as indentured servants, they did not come as slaves, um, people that came as servants, and over time that devolved into other stuff. But they worked six years, and they were given a hatchet, a sack of corn, and some land, and they could go out and become their own farmers after six, at the end of six years. Some of that is mandated what they're supposed to do at the end of six years in here, in the Sabbath year. Um, the Jews were exiled 70 years in Babylon because they never observed a Sabbath year for 490 years. So the 70 years, the 70 years came one year for each year that they did not observe the Sabbath. Uh, and you'll see that in Second Chronicles. Uh, it's also talked about in Jeremiah and Isaiah, but it's not as explicit of why it is, except in Second Chronicles. Um, Christ taught that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, and I misspelled that. I, some, I guess, I, I'm sorry, the uh, semicolon makes it look wrong. 
And then uh, Hebrews, um, there remains a Sabbath rest for God's people, which we'll talk about next week. There's many cycles of seven. Okay, so seven is, you know, there's seven cycles inside of Revelation. There's seven sort of big nets in there. There are um, seven churches of Asia uh, that is ran to. There are the seven seals, seven trumpets, seven plagues, seven bowls, seven in year time. So there's these cycles of seven. So I have to say that seven is sort of woven into the fabric of, of, of who we are. Um, we'll, we'll extend beyond eternity. Interestingly enough, I think it will. Um, and I think what we see here is that the Sabbath is more of our future state than the six days. But we will, I, I don't picture eternity as a time where we're in an eternal Sabbath. Some people say, that's going to be so boring in heaven. You know, it's just I'm playing harps. I'd rather be with my friends partying in hell than, you know, up in heaven, you know. And it's like, you don't want to be in hell because all your friends are not your friends in hell. All the good things that you like about your friends, they've all gone away because the good has gone away and the, the bad's there. And the person you thought you could trust, you can no longer trust because they're trying to get out of a pain, eternal pain. And so, there's that. but heaven is not just a mushy kind of existence. It's not a nirvana where you float into uh, a oneness and stuff like that. There is a reflection here of what heaven will be like, but it's a dim reflection, but it'll be much better than what it is now. Um, so let's talk about the fourth commandment before we finish. Um, people say, you know, I hear this all the time. I used to hear it all the time. I don't hear it as much anymore. Everything went downhill when they took, you know, uh, Ten Commandments out of school and the thing. And yet most people couldn't name the Ten Commandments. And people, when they say uh, the Ten Commandments, they, they, they don't understand what they are. And then very few people observe this fourth commandment. Anyway, you say we have a Judeo-Christian background, we acknowledge the commandments, but we don't because the first three commandments are about God. So if you don't believe in God, you can't believe in the Ten Commandments. All you can do is the second tablet, which is mankind, and the fourth gets terribly. So, so God, just as he was radically, he wanted them to understand that there was only one God, Later, the Trinity was revealed, okay? And so, so the, but he had that, before you could talk about that, the, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you could, uh, the Comforter, you could, you, he had to help them understand it wasn't three gods, this wasn't tried. So everything was one God. In fact, he says, let us create God, a man in our image. You get some vignettes of, of, of community in, the, in God, but, but only one God. So he did this with the fourth commandment. They couldn't, they couldn't even light a fire on, on, on the Sabbath. They, if they gathered wood for fire on the Sabbath, they were to be stoned. When they were, and part of that was he needed them to understand just how important it was and to enforce it. Part of it, too, quite frankly, was if, if you let other people start doing that, then other people, you know, it becomes a competitive type of thing. So they gathered what I couldn't. So, so he's trying to help everyone be on the same sheet of music. But more than that, it's a community event. It's a community thing that there's a Sabbath where everyone is quiet and still. You're not, you're not even doing anything with your animals. He says, during harvest and planting, you shall still observe the Sabbath. So that was their livelihood. And, um, and people that say, I just follow the Ten Commandments, are, are sometimes the same people that 
Well, Miss, again, I don't mean, it's not meant to be judgmental, but it's been to be questioning. Would you miss, would you miss a Sunday church service to go to a football game, professional football game, or to take your kids to a turn, soccer tournament because they had to play in soccer? I have to push back a little on that and say, where is the feeling on the Sabbath? Now, I push back as my own hypocrite. Again, I, I told you earlier, I've been working like a dog, literally like a dog, like an animal on this. But I'm telling you, it's not good. It's not what God wants. And there is a benefit to helping you understand that there's a time for this reflection. It brings you back into the reality. It helps you understand what there are. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is the Sabbath to the Lord. In it you shall not do any work. You or your son or daughter, your your male or your female servant, or your cattle or your sojourner that stays with you. For six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. That command is in there because it's part of the fabric of the space-time cosmos. It's part of what it means to be created in the image of God. It is the doorway into eternity. Okay, It's the time that we can set aside to understand that time is not everything, that there is more, and we ignore it our own. And I know it's easy to say, but i got to do these other things, because I say that. But God has not made us that way. He's not made us that way. And he says in Isaiah, if because of the Sabbath you turn your foot from doing what your own pleasure is on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, a holy day of the Lord honorable, and honor it to system from your own ways, from seeking your own pleasure and speaking your own word, then I will take delight in the Lord. Then you will take delight in the Lord. You'll, you'll want to, you'll look forward to that. And I will make you ride the heights of the earth, and I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Christ did not come to uh, abolish the Ten Commandments. He says that. He says, I have not come to abolish, I've come to fulfill them. So in Christ, we do indeed have our rest. There's not a striving there. But again, the creation mandate for, for rest and reflection still remains. So I want to talk about that. I, I, I think it's, it is worth talking about because if there's any commandment we've really lost, it's that one, I think, in our society. Very interesting thing going on now with the COVID crisis and stuff like that. Um, I think we've undervalued community. And so now churches don't have the ability to have the community they did before. We still have community, but it's a different kind. It's not the same. Um, and I think part of it is because we believed a lot of stuff that's very secular, that has no basis in truth, scripture, such as I can worship God out in nature just like I can in church. That's so unbiblical. I don't even know where to start about talking about that. No, you can't. It's church is, is where you're with the body of Christ, you're with other believers, you're centering on the word and stuff like that. Can you know God in nature? Is God a magnificent revealer of his wonders in nature? Yes, you can worship God the same way you do in church. And so now we have trouble going to church. Okay? Um, on the other hand, we have more free time on our hands than we've ever had. I don't know how many people tell me they're around the house now and they don't know what to do with their time. So there should be no trouble observing the Sabbath, except it's hard. It really is hard. I mean, it's hard to stay, and it can be boring. 
it's, it's like, it's like um, because you haven't exercised the muscle of reflection, okay? Just like, you know, all of a sudden you're going to go to the gym, you know, beginning of the year, going to go to the gym, you work out for a week, you're so sore and tired, you miss a day, and then you never go back. Okay, so it's like that with the Sabbath, too. It's very easy to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to zone in, I'm going to do this, and just be overwhelmed and give it up. Or try to compromise and say, I'll do an hour or so a day, yeah, on Sundays. Uh, but I would encourage you to seek out resources on the Sabbath. I'll teach on this next week because I think it's important enough before we move on to uh, chapter 2 of Genesis. Uh, oh, by the way, this is the beginning of chapter 2, the, the Sabbath. They, um, it should have been part of chapter 1. Uh, I'll explain that next week too. But, but, it, but, but in any case, um, uh, take time. Um, I've committed myself to, to recovering the Sabbath in my own life. It's not easy, um, but I want to do that. And I know that I'm not doing this to get God's goodwill. I'm doing this because God wants to help me, and he can help me best through recovering the Sabbath. Um, and really focusing on the wonderful plans he has for us and the wonderful reality we have now in Christ. I'm going to close this in prayer. Lord, we thank you for the time we have. We thank you for watching over us. I thank you for um, the confluence of events that have pushed me so hard in the past couple weeks, probably one, uh, certainly one of the top ten worst weeks of <laughs> periods of my life. And, um, and I thank you for it, though, that it's pushed me into the reality of I need you so very, very much. And though I can be religious, I may not have the heart there. And so I pray, recover my heart, recover my devotion, Help me to see you as you are and to love that. And I pray that for others too. We ask in your name, Jesus. Amen.